Welcome to Launch Your Wealth. Jonah Lemons here, your podcast host, real estate entrepreneur, and a mom of six talented kids, taking a new stance on life, business, and wealth empowerment. I'm very excited to be here as we are making it across the globe from U.S. to Canada, Germany, Norway, Australia, Philippines, and many more. Thank you so much for tuning in. Real Estate Launch Series is all about the ABC of launching your real estate investing. It's about real estate entrepreneurship, real estate lessons, featuring investors and entrepreneurs who have started from ground and built it up. A no-fluff look at many different topics to share a positive message, insight, and inspiration. This is such an important topic for me to dive into and really bring attention to how we can all learn from this, especially with our current pandemic and how many lives are affected today. I am a believer that in every problem, there is an alternative solution. I connected with Travis Watts on Instagram, appreciating how he shares a very realistic approach about real estate and passive investing. I am so glad he has joined me in an open conversation. Travis is a full-time passive investor. He has been investing in real estate since 2009 in multifamily, single-family, and vacation rentals. Travis is also the Director of Investor Relations at Ashcroft Capital. He dedicates his time to educating others who are looking to be more hands-off in real estate. So let's get started with this open conversation with Travis Watts. Well, thanks so much, Jonah. I'm happy to be here. So yeah, I mean, just to dive in, um, you know, I got started in real estate the way a lot of folks do, uh, which was single family investing. I didn't know what I didn't know, didn't have mentors, didn't come from a family of real estate, nothing like that. So, you know, looking out at, at the big world uh, when I was 20, is when I bought my first property, uh, I just thought that's really the only way to start. If you're ever going to get in real estate, it's got to be one single family home in your own neighborhood, so to speak. And so uh, it's been quite a journey. But, you know, one of the first things that kind of enlightened me to the path of passive investing, which is what I do today, I'm a full time passive real estate investor, was this concept of I had the spare bedroom. I was near a college campus. This is my owner occupied home. I decided I was going to rent that spare bedroom out to a college student. And the first time I received a check, it was, if I remember right, it was about $600. And that was approximately what my mortgage payment was. And I remember thinking, wow, I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to work for that $600. Someone just handed me $600 and that paid for my living costs. And I thought, what if I could do that on a much bigger scale? What if I could do that times a hundred, you know? And so that was really like the first light bulb moment. So, you know, I did the house hacking. I later got into fix and flips, vacation rentals. I did a lot of active single family. And in 2015, I really had burned myself out. I'd really overextended uh, too fast, too hard. Uh, I was working at the time, by the way, W2 job in the oil field. So 14 hour work days, 98 hours per week away from home. I worked out in the Middle East and Saudi Arabia and Kuwait. And it just, you know, trying to, to balance that career with single family real estate really was a struggle for me. And the more properties I acquired, the harder it got. And I thought, you know, I really need an approach to real estate that's more hands-off, that's more passive, you know, where I could really scale it up and have, you know, unlimited amounts of investments yet not have to sacrifice my time in exchange. So 2015 started the journey of, private placements, you know, apartment syndications and the jump to multifamily. And so that's what I do today. That's what I invest in from 2015 to 2020 is just being a hands-off passive investor, mostly in apartments, but I do have other assets um, that I invest in as well. So during that time, you know, when you were working the day job, making pretty good money because it is the oil industry. So I'm sure 14 day hours, 14 day, 14 hour days, rather, yep. um, trying to wrap my mind around that, you know, that's, do you, <laughs> did you feel that there was some normalcy and that you just knew like in your mind, like I need to get out because a lot of people think 
this is all just about money, but they don't realize it's the motivation is not about money. It's about right. there's something deeper. So maybe, you know, shed some light into that. Yeah, one of my, I, I uncovered through doing, uh, I've always been a big fan of Tony Robbins and my wife and I, before we were actually married, so I guess my girlfriend at the time, we were uh, going through this exercise to uncover kind of our core beliefs, our core philosophies, things like that. And turned out that my number one was freedom. That's just the number one thing that I'm, I'm really after in life. And so, yes, I felt very trapped in that career. I felt very trapped in that job. I certainly couldn't, af couldn't afford time-wise to take a vacation or to take, you know, time off to pursue things that I was passionate about, you know? So, so yes, it really was more of a, a pursuit to freedom. Something I talk about a lot is uh, what I coin as time freedom. So the ability to do what you want as much as you want with who you want, you know, with your time. And so I knew being in that job, even if I had loved that career, which I didn't, <laughs> but just to be clear. <laughs> right. But if I did, I knew it wasn't going to last very long. I mean, oil and gas is a boom and bust industry. And everyone around me had been laid off previously in that industry. And they, they were expecting it to come again. Mm -hmm. So I knew I'm going to have to make a change regardless. I might as well be proactive about it and start planning out that process now. And uh, it was just a very unique uh, combination of circumstances. But as I really tallied up my net worth for the first time, uh, very, very, very detailed, uh, I just figured if I got down, if I sold all my single family properties and I paid all the taxes and fees and all this, if I put that amount, that net worth to work passively in these other investment types, you know, I, I asked myself, what could I conservatively expect in terms of cash flow? And as I ran those numbers, I thought, you know, I can leave this job. <laughs> and that was a beautiful moment, you know, that, that another light bulb of, wow, I could really have that type of freedom uh, to pursue other avenues, to switch careers, to do things that I actually enjoy doing. So, yeah, that's kind of how that, how that came mentally, about. And, like yeah. mentally, emotionally, you knew I needed that freedom. Yes. I needed that freedom. Yeah. So that really pushed you there. I mean, what's your take on, you know, of course, amidst this pandemic and, and uh -huh. COVID and so many uncertainties, how do you how do you see that for people that are sort of in a similar scenario, whether it's in the investing or real estate, but more of the mindset and the the emotional um, roller coaster of what's happening right now? You know, is, is it something that they should really be proactive on, or is it more like, well, you know, kind of figure out what your knack is? Like, what's mm -hmm. your best tip on someone that's listening, maybe trying to figure out how to pivot? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting times. And I would say at the very least, take this opportunity, as I see it, to educate yourself on your next steps. If nothing else, if you're going to take no action, if your philosophy is I'm going to sit on the sidelines because of COVID or I'm scared because of the economy, if that's your take, that's fine. Right. But educate yourself and be prepared then on the flip side. We know it's going to be over eventually. And when it is, you want to be ready to, to strike at that point. Uh, my philosophy, not only the education side, I'm a huge advocate for, but uh, I've continued investing, you know, since March. I've done four deals since March. So almost one a month uh, since COVID. So, um, you know, here's the thing about um, investments, whether we're talking about stocks, whether we're talking about real estate, the prices are often reflective of what's happening in the economy. So, you know, if multifamily, let's say, has sunk down 5% in rent collections and occupancy, well, then you're likely going to see at least a 5% discount on a piece of real estate. And that is what I'm seeing. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of that, that concept of dollar cost averaging for the stock people out there, you know, it's that you're going to sometimes buy at a 5% discount and maybe sometimes you're going to pay a 5% premium, but overall you're going to kind of balance that out throughout your investments. And so I'm of that mindset to, there's always a deal to be had, whether a down economy, a flat economy, a booming economy. Um, so I continue to invest. I mean, the, the fact that you talk about, you know, the whole passive, um, maybe not everybody's going to be in that position where they have properties to 
to sell and, and they take all their money and decide, you know yeah. what, I'm now going to let it work for me. I'm going to start investing in these syndication yeah. projects. So let's kind of, you know, bare bone it and take away some fluff. Um, if, if I yep. may say that, oh, sure. uh, because, you know, I see so much going on, you know, social media yeah. news. I mean, we can get caught up, you know, just sort of feeling negative or rather mm -hmm. overhyped, you know, yeah. how do we, what would, what would you say someone that, you know, of course we're both advocating, you know, advocating for education, but what would you say to someone that, you know, maybe has a little bit of something and they, they're interested in this whole passive uh, path because it is your expertise somehow because you've gone through that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm curious too, you know, when you were making that decision, you're like, no, I've got to have this freedom. How long did that take you within a year within? Yeah, <laughs> different perspectives on that. Some, in some regards, that took years to come to the conclusion. In other regard, it, it was a, a split second decision where I said, I'm going to do this, you know, and I dedicated to it. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of a combination. Now, what I will say about self-education, as big of the advocate as I am, you can overdo it. And mm -hmm. I overdid it. And so 2015 was like, I just pushed so hard to make a change and to 180 this thing and to go from one extreme to the other, from active to passive. And I, in January, I don't think it was on the first, but in January, I said, listen, I'm going to read 52 books this year. That's a book per week. And I'm going to do it. I took speed reading courses and, and you wow. know, I did a combination of, of tactics and strategies, but I don't recommend people do that. <laughs> because you know it's opening a fire hose into your brain you know and you can't absorb all that it's crazy um so maybe read you know a few books let's say per year but equal that out with taking some action right so as you learn and implement you you take down your notes now get out there and try it you know like do one deal uh something like that and kind of balance the concept and the theory with the practicality and so that's probably the best, you know, advice that I can give to someone is to find that that balance that's right for you. And, um, you know, in the beginning, I took way too much action without backing it up with the education. So I was just putting, you know, full force and I'm going to do a flip and now a vacation riddle and now a house hack and now, but I never stopped to question why I was doing any of that stuff. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of that stuff wasn't right for me. I wasn't very good at a lot of that stuff. I was just doing it to experiment and try it. And I wish I had a, educated myself a bit more because I probably would have got involved in a lot of the stuff that I did uh, in terms of real estate. But um, yeah, so it's, it's finding that equilibrium. I mean, it seems like the, the freedom is your motivation. So you ended up leading yourself where, you know what, I'm not gonna do the, the too much hands-on and I'm gonna slowly get into this passive investing um, scenario for yourself. So someone that's you know wondering, going, well, fine, you know, I have some money, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and, and get, you know, what role did it play for you to get some mentorship? Or did you even oh, yeah. go into that? You know, and what, what was your relationship building process like? Yeah, exactly. And that's a great question. A lot of people think of a mentor in terms of like, oh, I have to go buy a mentorship program. Oh, I have to pay for a coach, you know, and that's automatically a huge barrier for way too many people. So the way I look at a mentor or a coach, it could be from a book, you know, a mentor might be an author, a mentor might come from a YouTube channel, a mentor might be a podcast host, you know, and so find a mentor, find a coach slash a lot of them are free. And the point is find a guide that can help you get to the next level, right? Whether you pay or you don't pay, or you find an actual mentor or coach that's in the business of doing that, but you add value to them instead in a different way than just paying them. So hey, I'll run your, your social media or something for a month in exchange for you give me an hour of your time per week and you help me out on my journey. I've done that personally for people. I've done that on both sides. I've, right. I've been, you know, the mentor and the mentee. So um, that's what I would say about it. It has made some of the biggest impacts so far in my career uh, in real estate. Uh, it's great to read books, but then sometimes you're left at the end thinking, 
yeah, but what about my situation? Right. right? And then there's no one to reach out to. And, and that's the end of the story. Right. And so it is nice to have a real human to say, hold on, let me ask you this situation. Right. My credit is this and my situation's that. And what about, you know, and so it's great to have the human interaction. It's a networking and relationship business. We all know that in real estate. And so uh, embrace that. That's a beautiful thing. And for those that don't know yet, because they're just slowly taking a leap, sure. you know, it's, it's quite important. Um, it never stops. Do you agree? It never stops. I think the relationship aspect is really the key. Mm-hmm. And um, how do you differentiate coaching and, and mentoring or mentorship? Because I agree with you. There's so many free content, podcasts, YouTube, you know, working to learn. That is a Robert Kiyosaki principles which, you know, I appreciated him. I actually read him when I was, I don't know, I was, I shall not redeem my age, but, <laughs> but you know, like that really stuck with me. It's like, you got to work to learn. So I think mm-hmm. for those that are just jumping into it, whether they are in this, you know, similar industry, finance, you know, they're realtors, they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're just diving into sometimes, you know, I've come across people where they thought they wanted to be real estate agents and mm-hmm. they realized it's not for me. Maybe I just want to, you know, be interested in something else within still real estate, right? But they're scared because they don't know where to go. They don't know who to talk to. It's a different game too. I don't know if you agree, but because I I came from that, the buy and sell, helping investors, helping clients. It was always about what they needed. So when, when it was time for me to leave and start looking at investing in my own, I had to shift a mindset. Because now you're thinking about yourself and how you're going to process that. So maybe, you know, share some of your insight, like how to shift from that mindset or from a career and maybe, you know, share some of the, the lessons you've learned when you had to shift from your day career or day job, even though you didn't like it or whether you liked it, because I'm sure there's a lot of uncertainties in a lot of mm-hmm. people's mind, whether they're already in this industry, like not as an investor, but going into it and then launching into that new phase or new ventures. I mean, what would you say? Because I have a different take on it. You know, Mm -hmm. um, it was, I I really dove in cold water. I was like, I'm making a decision. That's it. Because if you don't, in my mind, I'm like, if I don't make this decision, it's going to be 2021, 2022. And then I'm Mm going to be wondering what I could have done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about, I guess, the concept of um, FU money, <laughs> as some people might call it. Right. So there's different ways to kind of build up your so-called confidence or certainty when you're making a big shift, right? A lot of people are fearful, obviously, of putting in a two weeks notice, quitting a job, starting a new one, whatever, all that kind of stuff. So what, what would make someone feel better about that transition? Uh, having either enough savings built up to last you six to 12 months, let's say, just to throw out some you know, common numbers that are out there to where even if you made $0, you're going to be fine for the next year. You can at least experiment and try something new and not feel bad about it or not have all these things at risk. Uh, or my personal preference, build up enough passive income to offset your lifestyle expenses, or at least a big bulk or majority of them, right? If you're gonna make some kind of transition that way. And, and the same concept, right? Then you have uh, kind of that, that quote unquote time uh, freedom. So I guess what I'm getting at with all that is that it kind of starts with personal finances, mm-hmm. you know, to have an emergency fund, uh, to get under control your spending and eliminating debt or, you know, car payments or lessening your house payment, whatever you can do um, to get your financial situation under control and then to an adequate place where now you have that, that quote unquote FU money. And so <laughs> um, I love using that term, by the way. It's just <laughs> a lot I of people. I think it's really that. the psychology of it right? Like psychology of like, how do you handle your inner finances, right? Before you can even take a leap. Yeah, Um, yeah, exactly. And, and for those, I don't know how many people are familiar with, with the FIRE movement. It's an acronym for financial independence, retire early. 
I was raised by two very frugal parents, right? Use coupons, live below your means, buy the off-brand. If we don't need it, don't buy it. All these concepts, right, were instilled in me at an early age. So I kind of always did those things for the most part and had a pretty good grasp on budgets. I've kept a budget since high school, you know, and, and when I was mowing yards, I knew where my money was and how much I made. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So maybe I'm a, I'm a bit of an outlier on it, but you know, it's, it's a skill, right? It can be learned. This isn't something I was born with. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, start there. And, and so to the fire movement concept, this is kind of how I built up to the point where I transitioned to passive, right? Is, is kind of earning the oil field money, the fix and flips, the whatever, right? My highest and best earning potential slash living on as little of that as possible for a period of time. And then investing the difference into cash flowing assets that produce passive income. And then as that passive income exceeds my lifestyle expenses, which were moderately low because I was being conservative, I had that ability to pivot careers, to switch and to have these options. And so that was kind of the, really the, the three-part strategy that I used. So it's really a lot of um, mental uh, self-discipline the habits self-discipline there's the there's the term yeah i wrote a blog on that not too oh, long ago yeah yeah i mean self-discipline is tough i mean you you have to know what you're willing to give up yeah what you're willing to sacrifice in the hopes that your actions are going to take you to that outcome that mm -hmm. you see so whether it's investing whether it's real estate whether it's starting a business we forget that starting a business is also an asset class you know, it's, it's a way to create cash flow. I mean, yeah. yes, there's risk. Everything has risks. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, understanding uh, the, the, the plan, you know, the, what it entails, starting a business, you know, mm -hmm. saving that money. Being able, I mean, what's your take on saving and investing? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is like the most basic question, but I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of wisdom to kind of create a differentiation on that. You know, I'm saving money. I'm keeping it in my bank account. I have a 401k. Yes, I'm opening up this, that, and the other to kind of spread my, you know, funds or money in there. And then you've got the investing side where it sounds so sexy and so cool and everybody's talking about it. And then boom, COVID hits, pandemic hits. 35 yeah. million people unemployed or rather claiming unemployment because it may be comfortable because of the stimulus, uh, you know, package and mm -hmm. the benefits that are happening. And it's not just in the U.S., it's also happening in Canada. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if we're looking at that from a saving and investing, what's your insight on that? Like, how can we differentiate that and educate? The key word is educate, you know, to inspire. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, again, it, it starts with kind of the personal finance side of it, right? So if you're maybe not ready to invest or, or you don't want to go deploy a bunch of capital because of fear, this, that, or the other, it doesn't matter. That's fine. But start stockpiling at, at nothing else. Save more than you've saved before. Take a look. Take a good penciled out line by line look at your spending. Go back in your credit card statements. Go back in your bank statements. Write this stuff out. Categorize these things. It, at the very least, do this once so that you have a really good right. snapshot That's of what's been going on. You know? Yeah. And, and come to find, the thing I love about the FIRE movement, there are a lot of things I disagree with, by the way, in that movement. But the one thing I love is really what this is about is designing a life of purpose and fulfillment. So it's it's taking a look at your budget and saying, God, you know, I spend, you know, 400 bucks a month on going out to restaurants. And really at the end of the day, I don't even like restaurants. It's just, you know, I'm not there for the atmosphere because I'm with a bunch of people or having a great time. I'm there because I'm lazy and I didn't take, you know, food for lunch. <laughs> and I was so lazy. I didn't care to go to the grocery store. I was about to say that you read my mind. It's so true. It's so true. And it's, so it's to take those line items and say, I guess that's really not that important in my life, right? To spend 400 a month on something I don't really care about. It's setting priorities, know. setting priorities. Yeah, exactly. And you know, a lot of folks have a lot of different categories, the car thing or trying to impress people with nice, beautiful new cars or things. I mean, if you truly genuinely love that stuff for yeah. your own reasons, because you're a car fanatic and that's your passion in life and that's your hobby and that's your interest, that's one thing. 
But a lot of folks are just trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? So to look at that and go, wow, $600 a month car payment, I guess I, I really don't need that. You know, I could just buy yeah. a Honda or a Toyota. I'm good. Right. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, so that's the purpose of the budget and the spending and the, and the personal side of it. And then, you know, when you really itemize out your estimated, like what your ideal lifestyle would cost, to many people's surprise, myself included, it's not as much as you think, you know? I hear all the time when I ask people about their goals in real estate or their whatever goals, I always hear this $10,000 per month passive income. And it's like, yeah, what's beneath that though? Why 10, you know, might it be 8,000 per month or what if it was 12? You know, tell me exactly why it's 10. And, and a lot of people can't answer that question. So dig a little deeper, soul search a little harder, and maybe to your surprise, it's 6,000 per month, you know? I mean, you just don't know. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's looking yeah. more at your why and your passions, your purpose, you, yourself, and, and all those things than it is the, the money. It's really not about the money. Yeah, it's tough though. I've, yeah. seen, I've seen 30-year-olds, I've seen 50-year-olds still navigating through that. Um, yeah. And it's, it's people that I don't even know. It, it's, it th it's through, you know, people that you just hear talking with you. Hey, how did you do that? You know, they ask, well, how did you get into that? How, how did you, you know, so, and then I ask them, I'm like, well, how is your, you know, scenario going? I mean, you're a massage therapist, you're, you know, you're running a successful business and yet you haven't come to terms like saving and investing. So it, it kind of like makes me, you know, kind of like take back and I'm like, whoa, like, I thought I was the only one when I was thinking about this, like four years ago, that I was alone. I'm like, I need to make a leap. I need to jump, you know? Um, but luckily I have a supportive family and husband and all of that stuff. But, you know, somebody that's sort of in that kind of confusing moment, you know, um, take us back, you know, cause you mentioned you did a lot of the hands-on work before you became yeah. an investor. What were your challenges? Like, give us an example, like a really, um, you know, bad yeah. one that you had to go through and what did you learn what was that setback like yeah yeah so <clears throat> the thing that i think a lot of folks don't take the time to realize is when you're doing self-management okay it, it is a business right there are a lot of moving components and i had this this property in colorado out in brighton for those that don't know about 45 minutes outside denver and it was rented to uh, an oil field uh, guy who worked at the company that I, I worked for. So I skipped a few steps because I thought, well, this guy works where I work. You know, we were kind of the same. And, and so I kind of skipped over some of the background check stuff and then the credit. And I just thought, hey, man, you know, I, I work with you. I trust you. Don't know why I would trust them, but <laughs> anyway. And so, you know, here I am again, away from home, doing these long hours. Well, you know, problems start almost immediately, right? With like, I don't, I forget if it was a bounce check or what it was, but there was some financial debacle on, on month number one. And then it was late rent paid after that. And then it was a visit I took to the property where I realized they had uh, a, a cat, which I had a policy of no cats. So they had, they had done that. And then it was just one thing after the next. And when I was away from home, I was having to, this is before I had a property manager, by the way, I was having to pull in friends. Was this your first deal? Like No, no, no. This was just one, 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 one of, of many in, in the process of single family about half, halfway through, so maybe 2013. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm asking my, my girlfriend at the time, I'm having to pull in my, my parents, like, hey, can you run over there and, and, and collect the rent? Can you, uh, you know, go adjust the sprinkler head? They oh, said no. you know, hitting their cars in the driveway. I mean, how lazy, right? But like all these things that you have to worry about and deal with, you right. know, and the expenses piling up and the time and the frustration and the stress and the anxiety. And that was just one property. You know, and so that's that's a quick little glimpse into you know what so you were doing. You were trying to do the DIY version of me. Yeah, I was at first. I was at first because I thought I could, and because I thought it would ultimately be passive, and and I was just wrong. <laughs> and so the next step was to get a property manager, which I did, but it was still you still have to make decisions, right? Like the, the property manager is still going to call you and say, "Hey, uh, listen, the the roof is leaking." Uh, we can either have it patched and repaired or we can have it replaced 
what do you want to do? I mean, this isn't passive investing, right? This is still who's who's the contractor, what's their experience. See that, right? Yeah. Getting three bids, reviewing those, like you're still actively involved, even though you got a property manager. So so anyway, I mean, it was it was a combination of those types of things stacking up on me times two, three, four, five, six. And as I got into like the vacation rental thing, <laughs> that, that was like the last straw. I'm like, really? holy crap. Less I'm yeah, I'm, I'm a maid at this point and I just, I can't do it. <laughs> so the lessons you learn is pretty much, I need to learn to outsource this. I need yeah. to hire professionals that can at least mitigate those issues in between while you're yeah. working your day career. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was outsourcing. There was also this element of, hey, listen, I'm not very good at this in general, all the way from finding the deal to underwriting to putting a tenant in place to I'm not that good. And I'm not a handy person either, by the way. So uh, it was this idea of what if I could find someone who knows what they're doing, who has a track record and experience and they specialize in a niche and they're passionate about what they do. What if I could just leverage that and share in the profits somehow? And that's kind of where the private placement syndication stuff came into play. And, uh, and I love that. I love that concept because I just, I can't, you know, if you can't, beat them, join them. <laughs> that was kind of my, my mindset right. anyway. Back then. And so for those that maybe, you know, not, not familiar with multifamily, the terminologies, yeah. maybe, you know, since you brought it up, like, how did you take that step forward? What mm-hmm. were your learning avenues? How you realize, hey, maybe I do want to get into syndication projects, put mm-hmm. my money in, like, take us through that. What was that like when you were just taking the leap? This is where mentors and or coaches, interchangeable term, really come into play. So to me, what gave me the most confidence was starting to surround myself with people, real people, both local and afar, (laughs) (laughs) that are actually doing this stuff and are getting results that they are willing to share with me. And I can really understand that this is a viable investment option, right. not a theory and not a book I read 20 years ago, um, but something that's happening today that made sense. And so combination of uh, statistical uh, research. So what happened to multifamily in the last recession and how do those numbers look slash, that's kind of my case study, slash the mentor and the coach saying, yeah, I've done, you know, say a hundred of these deals. I've got a few people in my network that are that far beyond, you know, for the last 20, 25 years, this, these are my thoughts. This is what I do. This is how I do it. And, and kind of that combination gave me the most certainty to feel comfortable pursuing that avenue mm-hmm. as a limited partner myself. Where, where did you end up meeting uh, your potential coaching opportunities or, you know, just surrounding with real people, not yeah by just the book or, you know, something you signed up for $497 and, (laughs) and it gave you a bunch of PDFs to download. And and I'm not saying that to, you know, insult anybody. I'm saying that's happened before. I'm sure where people sell, Hey, you can access this, you know, ebook PDF, you pay $197 and then what, you know? So how did that come about? Like, where did you meet them? Did you just stay local? where you're at you're currently in denver uh right right florida and denver so this is all this was back in colorado right Uh, just outside denver at the time and so yes local real estate meetup groups number one which pros and cons but helpful nonetheless right to meet some real people number two was the the national conferences which are way better, in my opinion, <laughs> where you can get a thousand people together coming from all over the United States, sometimes worldwide, to talk real estate, to share experiences. And, and I just like the numbers game because not everybody's a passive investor. Most people are probably on the active side of this business. So as you go to a small meetup, maybe everybody's active. So there's really no one to network with if you're wanting to know the passive side. So, but when you go to a conference with a thousand people, there's inevitably a couple hundred that are passive. Right. So you're going to run into a few, you know, and that's why I tend to like those conferences more. But um, I, I made another post on conferences, by the way, you do want to be leery of, of kind of what you spoke to, you know, the four easy payments of you know, 495. Yeah. I, I mean, everybody has them. To no sell. offense to anyone. No offense. That's just, you know, some, just my, my take on things. 
Yeah, no, I, I get it. And I, hey, I bought them. You know, I bought uh, several of those programs. Some were okay. Yes. Some were just a complete hoax and uh, none were really great. <laughs> I, think, I think I did see one of your posts where you were saying, I wish there was some kind of like, you know, like a, uh, what do you call it? the rating for conferences and yeah yeah for conferences yeah, for sure. yeah. you can find like little one-off things or you can jump on bigger pockets and say you know or these online forums and and just ask about a conference but you know some some biased stuff and you know some unbiased but hard to find you know i wish yeah it was like you know conferences conferencereviews.com you know what i mean and then you could just go on there and wow that one's junk right um, <laughs> But, uh, but you want to be leery of like the free conferences, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time, that's just a sales pitch to a different conference. So either skip the first one, go to the paid one, if that's really what you want to do, or just know that it's just a big upsell and a 10 grand. And if you don't want to spend 10 grand, don't do it. I get the most value out of a book. You know, you're taking somebody who's done 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of research, and they've condensed all that into a $20 book. That's the best value or an audio book for those that don't like to read. Now, if you can't learn that way, if you can't stay self-disciplined or focused, I get it. Conferences are great in other avenues and, and you know, YouTube and mentors. There's a lot of ways to learn, but, um, but conferences have been a big game changer for me. But specifically, the more people, the better in general. And that's also an indication of how successful that conference is, right? You're not gonna pack 5,000 people together if you're a brand new conference that's never happened, that's just a big sales pitch, sure. <laughs> you know, more than likely. Or like so. just, yeah, or networking events. What do you think of that? Like, I mean, of course now we're all probably yeah. virtual. Mm -hmm. um, I've been attending quite a yeah. few and it's, it's been great. I think it's kind of broken the ice going on camera. Um, I was never comfortable in front of, of camera like that or cameras, you know, like using Zoom. I've been using Zoom since 2016. I've never used it to this extent, yeah. recording podcasts and going on virtual, you know, meetings and, and events. Yep. How is that like for you being in the position you're in? You're a passive investor. And yep. I do, I am aware that um, you're, you deal with investor relations. Yep. You, know, you write your blog on uh, bigger pockets. Yep. And, uh, you know, how has that been like this whole virtual transition? It's, it's, Honestly, it's been great because I get to reach these groups I never would reach otherwise. So every city, every let's just say every major city at the very least has real estate meetup groups, yeah. right? But it's not practical before COVID for me to go get flights and hotels and go out and speak to a group of six out in Columbus, Ohio about real estate investing. That makes no sense. But now I get invited to be the guest speaker for the month right. to their local real estate group. So I get to meet these people. It's fantastic. It's free. Uh, they get value. I get value, right? I, I wouldn't have been the speaker otherwise. I'm not flying out there for that. And so that's kind of the beauty of it is I've been invited to all these different little local groups to speak. And I think it's fantastic in a local group too, as well, but uh, just because we're digital, but um, yeah, no, I, I love it. I love efficiency. What's that? The efficiency. The efficiency is incredible. And, and, and the thing about these big conferences, obviously a lot of them are going online temporarily, but what hasn't been fully worked out is the networking side of it, which is why I attend conferences, right? At this point, I, I get the education enough, right? I've heard it and I've seen it and I do it and I get it, but I'm there to network. And so when they can figure out, my wife and I just did a, a Tony Robbins online, Unleash the Power Within. Oh yes, I saw and that. It was the first one he's ever done. Yes. He put like $4 million into this tech equipment to make this yes. thing happen. And the coolest thing was networking with 23,000 people worldwide. I obviously didn't network with all of them, but right. what happens is they'll, they'll teach you a concept or a lesson and they'll say, all right, we're going to put you in breakout sessions now. And they click a button yes. and boom, there's six people on your screen and you go around sharing your thoughts and opinions and advice and whatever it is. And it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's amazing. So if, if every concert, or, uh, sorry, conference could have that type of networking, I'm all in. Like, right. if I ever go to an in-person event again. <laughs> You're right. You know? Well, like, yeah, so some people are like, well, I miss the human interaction. I'm like, well, you can still interact. Yeah, this or, is human um, interaction. <laughs> it, it is. It is. I mean, how much more can you interact? It's actually more distracting when you're in a physical setup. So it is. I'm with you on that. I've, I've 
you know, I've seen the efficiency in how I've done things. Five months, I don't think what I've done since the, the COVID broke out, I could have done if this wasn't it. Because I have been kind of just, you know, not complacent, but rather I was so comfortable, you know, mm -hmm. for four years. So when COVID hit, I was like, what? Everybody's going where? Oh, okay. LinkedIn? Okay. Zoom? So I was like, okay, check, 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 you know? So it was like, it had to push me. So I think a lot of people can relate to that. They're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I didn't expect it to be this efficient. Um, but the quality though, I mean, you know, how do you, someone that's sort of new to the whole networking virtually, mm -hmm. what would be something that you would say they can take on as an etiquette? You know, like something to be aware of because, you know, mm -hmm. we're kind of like when we text someone, not everybody can read what you really intended, right? Because there's no right. feelings in there. Right. So what would be your take on the etiquette of, of networking, whether it's real estate or whether it's just networking to meet new people? Yep. Um, yeah, like if you have the best, you know, practice advice for someone that, that is new to that. Yeah, I, I'm one of those folks that with the exception of blogging before COVID, I really wasn't much on social media at all had a couple profiles, they're more personal, you know, whatever. And since then, and conferences going away, which was kind of my bread and butter for networking, I thought, man, I've got to do something here. So I launched an Instagram channel and I've done a lot more podcasts. And, and, the, and one thing that's been amazing, I, here's what I started doing to supplement networking is I spend my weeks on these uh, free 15 minute Q&A calls with people. I've got my link all over online. You can click it and set up a 15 minute slot. And I just love to talk real estate. It doesn't matter what we're talking about, fix and flip, single family, multifamily, passive income, whatever. And I just, I speak with people all across that way. And it's been a beautiful thing to have. I use Calendly. So it, it just automatically syncs with my calendar and events that I already have going on. And it's perfect. So there's still, okay. So you asked about adequate, adequate before yeah. I forget. Adequate. But yes, I agree on the Calendly and yeah. having those links. Yeah. Absolute recommendation for efficiency. And I think it just organizes it. I oh, use yeah. Book Like a Boss. So I ended up, so it's been efficient for me, um, but I did like Calendarly. So for those that are needing some, you know, resource to kind of check out, definitely go that route. But the yeah. etiquette, I think is so key. And yeah. it, it, before you, before you, you know, share yeah. your take, let me share my experience. Yeah. And, and it's very similar to what you just said, which is I was not up on your face social media type person for the past, I think four years. Yeah. I did it for personal, kept in touch with a lot of distant, you know, family, relatives, old uh -huh. friends, kind of uh -huh. did that. Never really promoted my business within my yeah. circle. Just, yeah. I don't know why. Um, but, but looking in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, that's good. I didn't do that. So when this whole thing happened, you know, you know how I was saying, wow, like it pushed me that way. Mm -hmm. um, so you know how the bots happen, right? You know, they yeah. kind of do the automated, yeah. and then they have VAs. My recent experience, I think for the five, uh, past five months, was I was getting these messages and I didn't realize they were bots. So out of etiquette, the keyword is etiquette. I would kindly respond and say, hi, you know, John, thanks so much for connecting. It's just in my nature. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter whether we're talking about real estate or investing either. It was like, oh, that's a nice thing. You know, you want to connect, reach out. So I would go and message and for a few days, I'm like, why is no one responding? So I'm thinking, am I doing something wrong? Am I not practicing this nice etiquette? So I kind of went to my husband and I said, please tell me what I'm missing because he's, he's more on the tech side. So okay. he's like, honey, they're bots. So they're either being, you know, kind of like automated or the VAs just kind of automate that. Yep. And that's when it hit me. I was like, oh my gosh. So what happened was kind of lost my confidence, not about me, but the confidence in using social media in yeah. that respect. So yeah. even when I, you know, came across to connect with you, I was weary because I was like, I don't know, he might be too big. He might have bots or some kind of VA typing for him. So that's what, you know, kind of like the mindset sort of, I was like careful, but I'm like, no, I'm going to practice good etiquette. I'm going to say, thanks for reaching out. Thanks for connecting. Appreciate it. And it was, it, it really is sincere. So I started going back to this whole thing last month. Mm -hmm. Just kind of said, you know, you know what? I don't care if there's bots, et cetera. So for those who are new, 
to kind of doing this etiquette thing and virtual networking, just please be aware of that because not everybody's going to respond, not because you're, you're rejected or no one likes you. Sometimes it's just been in that scenario where it's automated. And that was my experience in the last, I think, four months. So yeah. I've kind of just taken a different, you know, stride into it. But that's why I kind of brought it up. I'm like, maybe you have another way of, of doing this etiquette thing in this virtual world that we're in right now. Yeah, sure. I try to be as human as I can be. I'm actually the person responding to every single comment, message, right. whatever it is, DM on social media currently. However, I will say this. I understand when, when a person gets big enough where they can't do that. That's not worth, that's not their highest and best use of their time. So whether they hire an assistant, you know, uh, remotely or here domestically, doesn't matter. Uh, I get it. And I understand, you know, and that does happen, but I'm still at that threshold where I can respond to my own messaging. And I love that authenticity that that brings. Thank you too. And the one thing I would advise people not to do, I hate when this happens, is when, when you connect with someone or don't even connect with someone and all of a sudden you open up your messenger and there's this four paragraph thing and you read through it and it's, here's my business and this is all about me and this is what I do and would you like to buy my product and here's a link to my website and here's, and it's like, I don't even know this person. I, I don't know, why, why would I even- oh, Is it a scam? Is it a spammy type? It's as close as you can get to spam without, I guess, officially being spam. I don't know. But it's totally not personable, you know, or, or for the folks that reach out and don't even click on my profile to see who I am or what I do. Sometimes I get that, you know, oh, I see you're a real estate investor. I'm uh, whatever. I'm a, I'm a realtor and, and I sell single family in Miami. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, I'm, what what about my profile says anything about single family or Miami or that I'm looking to buy a house or like anyway so be authentic you know maybe try to find the one or two things about the person and their profile like right. hey I see that you're from you know Fort Collins Colorado that's where I grew up that's really cool and, and I also see you're in real estate as am I mm -hmm. and if you'd ever like to connect on the topic of real estate I'm happy to be a resource. I don't sell anything, just here to connect. That'd be a great approach, right? So, so personalizing, you know, this quick message is, is really yeah. a, a best practice for those that are just start getting started. And there's a lot of people that are scared to do that because they don't know if someone's responding or not. But just for those who want to, to try that, I think that is a good step, you know, kind of just get to know the person you're messaging. Make sure you, you know, you know what it's about. It's not just you know, the spam uh, yeah. effect on that. I think that's a lot of, um, how do you say, it? it's a mix of technology now, the automation as well, yeah. you know? So, and mm -hmm. then people that are kind of just pivoting with this whole virtual world. Some people are affected by, it. they're not used to it. And, and I, I can sympathize, I, you know, I totally understand that. Um, yeah. So, you know, even, even sharing this on this episode, I, I felt compelled because I think, different perspectives from people that have been doing real estate or investing or even just out there on social media, no matter what, we're personally really sending out a message, right? It's our personal brand, you know, who mm -hmm. we are, the originality, the, the being real, um, yeah. you know, and, and I appreciate that, that, you know, being real is, is what we need right now because yeah. a lot of people, we don't know their battles. We don't know what they're trying to, you know, rise above, it all, you know, and maybe they feel overwhelmed and hopefully sharing that perspective, you know, if they are trying to figure out financial education, you know, yeah. working, working to learn, uh, finding a mentor, a networking conference or event that's now, you know, all virtual, all of those are thing I think are key ingredients to kind of get you out of this confusion, confusing, confusion, you know, moments in, in this COVID pandemic break. Yeah, you know, I think that I think the mental wellness is also so important. There's times maybe you feel like, oh my gosh, I've lost, you know, hope or I mean, it's it's real. You know, I, I see the news. I hear, you know, student athletes that were supposed to go off to college. The recruiting process ended. Eight hundred thousand student athletes like left mm -hmm. hanging. So you can imagine they're feeling sad. They're feeling like that's all they worked for. 
And now they have to, to halt, right? So this whole education thing was actually transpired because I have a son I'm sending off to college next year, you know, and and he, he was taking interest in what I was doing. And I said, you might want to, you know, kind of shadow me around first, you know, it might not be something you're, you're going to like. Um, so, you know, kind of just sort of engaging with someone that's in a crossroad, the, the young generation, the yeah. youth, you know, very passionate about that because I think now, because, you know, we're, we're going through this globally, what is there for them, right? So now they're f- probably looking at it from that way. It's like, what's going to happen? You know, mm-hmm. 2021, 2022, we don't know. We really yeah. don't know. I mean, the, probably the best thing we can do is really kind of pivot and use, you know, some of these tips that, that you've shared whether they, they are going into to college, you know, um, life or after college or just starting their, their adult life, you know, yep. it must be a, a very challenging time for them. And, you know, my, my uh, question to you is, you know, what would you say to somebody that is, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old? Maybe look at it from what would you say if you saw your 20, 20 year old self? Yeah, yeah, exactly. My, uh, <clears throat> I have a nephew that uh, is just starting college right now, so 18. Wow. And thinking back, so I've, I've already kind of had these conversations and drawn these parallels. And, you know, for him, it's more the education than anything, slash, you know, what I did for him is I, for his graduation gift, I got him a, well, with the help of <laughs> my sister, <laughs> Uh, you know, she helped open up a brokerage account as a surprise for him. And then I had a phone call with him. I gave him a few hundred bucks. And then we went through a high dividend paying REITs, real estate investment trust, just to help paint the picture of what passive investing is and the importance of cash flow and whether or not he, you know, continues to add funds to this and grow it and make this one of his big, you know, primary, you know, wealth strategies or just ingrains that seed of knowledge for a later time in life. I don't know what he'll do with the information, but I felt my obligation was to at least give him those resources, right? There's no excuse that you don't have any money because I put money in your account. There's no excuse you don't know how to open the account because it's open. And there's no excuse you don't know what it means or how it works because we went through it. And as long as I gave that education, I feel a lot better about it, you know, and of course I wouldn't press him to continue on with that or to keep funding it or anything, but uh, yeah, just to kind of, I remember my grandpa did this for me when I was 18 and unfortunately I didn't take a lot of his advice um, at the time, but it did plant a seed. And by about age 25, I was taking a lot more of that advice and then giving him a whole bunch of credit, you know, reflecting back as to, you know, being that advocate for this stuff, you know, kind of the, 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 the sad part about wisdom, right? That the, the grandparent giving advice to the grandkid, right? There's too much of a gap there sometimes. There's a di- yeah, you know? there's a difference in that. Yeah, you can't just, just take all of that and, and absorb it because you kind of got to go through the motions first. But um yeah, so that, that's kind of back to what we discussed earlier and my 20-year-old self and my 18-year-old nephew is, you know, here's a little bit of education and concept. Does that make sense? Do you understand? You can always reach out with questions slash, you know, here's a few tools and resources to actually take action. And that combination, I think, is key. And, you know, we'll see what happens with it. But I feel like I at least have done my part. So for people that really, whether they're young millennials, youth, even as adults, you know, as they're starting, it's really putting that money in something that potentially will grow and they learn to kind of figure out, well, I do need to invest. So learning the principles of investing, how important to you in in your perspective, tax strategies, because passive investing has a different set of uh, tax benefits, you know, versus right. Running a business, running actual real estate property, et cetera, et cetera. So, maybe share, you know, a more strategic uh, outlook approach on that uh, for someone that's passively going into it. They have a W-2, they have current day jobs, and they have a little bit saved up. And, um, you know, maybe it's time for them to to rise above that and make their money work for them somehow. Yeah. 
I think my first eye opener you mentioned earlier the uh, Kiyosaki and uh, and I did as well. So Cash Flow Quadrant was one of those books that was a big eye opener. So the four quadrants of people, you know, earning income, you can be an employee, a small business owner, big business owner, or investor, and so that's a four square quadrant. And to look at that from a tax perspective, in a general sense, when we're talking about state tax, federal tax, you know, Social Security, Medicare, all these things, right? On average, I forget the exact numbers, but it's like an employee would pay roughly 40% total in tax, you know, depending on where you live and which brackets you're in, obviously. Uh, Self-employed might pay a little higher, like 50% in tax half of your income gone just right. in tax and a big business owner usually capped around 20 or so in tax and an investor a professional investor that knows what they're doing uh, can sometimes pay zero in taxes legally and to me that was the biggest eye-opener is to look at the parallel between self-employed and investor and to think wow 50% of your income could be eaten away in taxes over a lifetime, or you could get 50% pay increase for a lifetime if you just switch quadrants, switch gears, start that education. That led to Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright, another great book, gave you some practical uh, you know, takeaways and, and strategies to use, of course, legally with the U.S. tax code rewritten in 2017 with the new tax code. And, you know, it's just that journey of you don't have to be an expert in all this, but just to kind of be have the base knowledge and then kind of pair up a good CPA uh, firm or individual tax advisors, tax strategist to help you implement this stuff. And it, it really does matter. I think it's one thing, unfortunately, a lot of people don't pay attention to are their taxes. Um, no matter which tax we're talking about. <laughs> and, uh, but maybe when you tune in, whew, it's, uh, it can be a big difference, not only in the current year, but the rest of your life. And so it's critically important. You literally said everything that I would say. It, <laughs> you know, with a magnifying glass, like you would be, I don't know, call it dumb if, if you don't pay attention to it. You know, I mean, the system is created, you know, unequally. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the school system, the banking system, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, in between. So I think that's why real estate, you know, the whole investing world in real estate is so dynamic. What is your favorite part about real estate? Yeah, well, first and foremost is passive income. It's to me the best vehicle, the best asset class to yeah. produce monthly passive income. There's a lot of other vehicles and asset classes, but I think real estate is the best, all things considered, tax advantages yeah. through and through. Yeah. Because you get to make the money work for you. Yeah. Right. Somehow. So if you have a day career, day job, another business going on, it's so important to understand that you can passively invest. And real estate is a vehicle that's going to take you there and somehow grow your nest egg of financial freedom eventually. So, mm -hmm. I mean, what, I mean, in closing, what would be your take on, you know, our current economy moving forward? Like, what do you see happening in the real estate, in the stock market, you know, mm -hmm. oil? <laughs> I mean, so many issues going on, you know, right now. But what, what, how do you see it kind of unfolding? Yeah, I think opinion? it's easy to get overwhelmed. It's, it's easy to get uh, discouraged. It's easy to have fear depending on what you're tuning into and watching a lot of news versus not watching a lot of news. So forming your own philosophy here is key, um, you know, to deciding what you're going to do. Now, you know, I don't have a crystal ball for all these asset classes, but one thing I always kind of come back to is I like the concept of investing in something that is not only needed today, but will continue to be needed. Uh, there's a lot of, say, stocks or companies that may not be needed in the future. Whatever they're selling or providing could be just outsourced and gone. And so affordable housing in the sense of thousand dollars a month rent on average makes a lot of sense to me. A lot of people can afford that. A lot of people need that. Uh, you can't afford to build new product in most markets and then charge those kinds of rents. So there's limited supply. 
you know, as is just buying raw land or something like that. So I, I kind of found a, a little niche uh, to me that is recession resistant. Nothing is recession proof, but it's a little bit insulated to other asset types that might fall 40, 50, 60%, 100%, depending on what we're talking about. And where this, this asset class is, is just going to continue to be needed. So at least for the foreseeable future, until we get to, you know, 3D printed houses that cost five <laughs> right. grand, you know, then, then we'll have a different discussion. But, <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> Not soon. And so that's the thing. It's the foreseeable future. I'm, I'm content and happy where I invest. Um, but, you know, ask me in 20 years, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, where, where can they find you? Where is your next project? Ashcroft Capital. What are you guys, you know, up to um, in this current closing the 2020? Yeah, yeah. Well, interesting year for everybody, but Ashcroft continues to have uh, opportunities, you know, and as we spoke about, there's always a reason why someone's going to need or want to sell. And there's always a, a person on the other end looking to buy uh, for their own purposes. So, uh, Ashcroft Capital does uh, multifamily projects, mostly in Dallas, Fort Worth, um, primarily, and then in Florida, in Jacksonville, Tampa, and outside Orlando. So those are kind of the key target markets, tax-friendly states, states where people are migrating to from both California, New York, New Jersey, high-tax states, um, things like that. So, you know, they continue to do deals, as do, you know, many others. Um, We'll just keep moving along. I, I, you know, I, I aligned myself with a group that has a similar philosophy and that there's always a deal to be had up, down, or in the middle. And so we continue to invest together under that philosophy, whether we're right or wrong, you know, time will tell, but <laughs> so yeah, pe people can, uh, can reach out, as you said, ashcroftcapital.com forward slash connect with Travis is where I do the 15 minute uh, Q and A calls. And I've got a, a downloadable PDF that's called uh, Understanding Real Estate Private Placements for anyone looking for a little more in-depth, like right. analytical knowledge on terminology in the industry or how to vet a market, a deal, a sponsor, all that kind of stuff and how these things work. So that's where you can. Uh, and that's, that's actually really helpful because anybody that's sort of midway in their <laughs> learning and then they're implementing, these are the type of things that I would recommend to really get a hold of. So, you know, even, even this opportunity to, you know, exchange insight and just sort of share your, your take on things, I think it's, it's very useful, you know, to a lot of people that maybe are needing clarity. We need clarity right now in a lot of things. It, it's not just real estate, but overall. Um, so, you know, wh where, is, where is the next, um, you know, economy gonna, gonna lead us to. So that's really what we're all trying to figure out as real estate professionals, real estate investors, business owners, anybody that's in this industry. Um, you know, what, what would be your last uh, piece of advice before we conclude on this amazing conversation? I've, I've, I've even learned. So thank you so much for that. Um, sure. You know, what would be your advice, you know, to those that are that are, you know, kind of going in and closing 2020, whether they're already investing, whether they're doing fix and flips, whether they're realtors going into real estate investing, you know, what would be the key strategic advice that you have for them to kind of cover their angles, you know, because we are in uncertain times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's again, it's a great year for personal development for everybody, Absolutely. successful, non-successful, 20 years in doing this, hadn't started yet, doesn't matter you know, de define your, your criteria, define your investing philosophy, you know, these little, like the PDF I just mentioned, <clears throat> what's great about it, 20 pages long, straight to the point, no fluff, you know, gives you practical takes, takeaways, it's free, there's no, <laughs> you know, 1495 <laughs> plus tax, you know, and, and just, stuff like that, right? Getting these little, these little tidbits and snippets of information, right? In, in your, in your back pocket. And so just prepare again, whether like I, and I still do all this stuff too. I'm not telling people what to do anything that I don't do. I'm constantly downloading little PDFs from other people. I'm constantly reading new books that come out on these subjects. I'm attending webinars. I'm attending seminars. I'm not just, you know, speaking and, and educating there. I'm, I'm being educated constantly. So you, you've got to keep up with it. You said it earlier best, you know, it doesn't stop, you know, the, the networking and the education, it doesn't stop. It's a lifelong pursuit, you know, as Tony Robbins like to say, if you're not growing, you're dying. So 
keep growing. That sounds a lot better. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? That's great, great perspective because launching your wealth and launching into this, you know, new stance that you have on life, it's not always about money, like you said. You know, it's about personal growth, personal development, continuous learning, but also surrounding yourself with new information, new knowledge, and the right people that's going to align with you. So that is definitely the takeaways on this. And I think that's more important than just really talking about money and technicalities and, you know, what, what is your take on the actual real estate? I think that is always there. You know, it's never going to change. It's a formula, but the formula in being, you know, sort of well-equipped and like you said, in preparation. So a lot of people need to kind of see that now, you know, it's always in that first step and then taking continuous steps. And I think this has been, you know, um, an eye opener for all of us, COVID pandemic, whatever we want to call it. So again, PDFs, I am a junkie on PDFs and, and going into these, you know, webinars and listening to podcasts, what podcast uh, recommendation you have that's current. Yeah. What, what I tell people with podcasts, <clears throat> I don't personally subscribe to any particular podcast religiously, just one after the next episode. Yeah. What, I, what I recommend doing though is whatever it is you're currently looking for or seeking in terms of knowledge, maybe it's tax strategies, maybe it's self-directed IRA investing, maybe it's multifamily, maybe it's self-storage, just search for those particular episodes, you know, and draw that content out, you know, and listen to five, 10, 15 different podcasters talk about those topics. And uh, that's how I seek knowledge uh, myself is trying to be as uh, defined as possible and trying to get about 10 different opinions. And then after that kind of form my opinion. That's right. That's a good take. That's a good take. So everyone that's listening, this is Travis Watts, Ashcroft Capital. He is all about passive investing. And uh, we're just grateful that you joined us, uh, you know, today. So glad to connect with you as well. Um, I'm looking forward to learning from your posts, from everything that you have to say, because I think I'm in my own personal growth, uh, personal journey as well, not just all about business, but rather the, the personal uh, experience rather, because I think that to me is ultimate wealth, living on your own terms, having the freedom and options to make decisions. I think we are blessed, we are lucky. To, to even be at this point. Not everybody is in this scenario. So, you know, I just want to let everyone know that's, that's tuning in. This is definitely um, a part of that journey. So don't be afraid to take that step and kind of just begin that. This was an insightful and enjoyable conversation. It opens our perspective on how to look at our career, our jobs, and seeing that there is a great potential to create a new path and to create financial independence. It is so important to be proactive rather than reactive, especially when it comes to our financial education. Travis Watts can be found on his social media, Instagram and Facebook at Passive Investor Tips, LinkedIn, Bigger Pockets blog. If you have any questions or would like to subscribe and share your comments with me, I welcome you. And you can also find me on Instagram at Launch Your Wealth and via LinkedIn. Until the next episode, thank you so much for joining us at Launch Your Wealth.